Hey, before you take a seat, turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you this morning. So if you're normally the nine o'clock person that like that's your service time you go to, this is probably the first service you can actually spread out a little bit, right? This is normally the packed service. Um, I'm guessing because of time change, I'm knowing what 11 o'clock is going to look like for us this morning. But, uh, you know, I say, you know what? Hey, you should have gone to bed earlier. You knew it was coming, right? Love you, but you knew it was coming. Nothing surprises us. We do this every year. It's, this one's the not enjoyable one. This, the fall is what we look forward to. We gain that extra hour, right? I'm curious at 10 o'clock how many people are going to start coming in because they forgot to set their stuff back. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Well, welcome to Radiant Life. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here. And it's just a joy to jump back into a series that really we're just continuing throughout this entire year and probably next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. All right. We have titled this uh, series, the book of Acts that we're going through, titled Awaken. You really see the church become alive now. The church, the Christian church is launched in the book of Acts. And we truly believe that this year God has given us the word awaken. That I truly believe and it dawned on me when I was here yesterday praying that I don't think the word is just for us. I do believe that it's going to awaken a lot of us, which is a good thing. Because we're taught in scripture that there are some who are spiritually sleeping. I think there are some who are spiritually sleeping that need to be awakened to more. I think for some of us that are walking with Jesus, realizing there is to be awakened to more of Holy Spirit in our lives. But I realize this, it's not just for us. It's for our community who need to be awakened by the name of Jesus Christ. See, I thought... This word was just for the four walls of the church. No, I think you're going to be awakened and you're going to go out and awaken other people. Am I the only one passionate about that? Amen. Thank you. I'll pay you later, but thank you. I'm going to warn you. I may have passion this morning. (laughs) My passion may feel like anger at times. It's not. Praying for gentleness. But we've been in this series, and and we just got done with like a five-week or four-and-a-half-weeker called God in Us, and you'll understand why. We're taking these off-ramps. So just to give us where we're going, we'll be in this for two weeks, then we got another off-ramp right before Easter, then after Easter, we're back into Awaken. Sound good? Okay, let's do it. Man, I appreciate you guys. All right, here we go. Uh, This morning, where we left off in the book of Acts... Is uh, This is where we're going to be. We actually left off on verse 13. We're going to pick up there and go through verses 33. I've titled this one, The Power to Take a Stand. So if you got your tablet, if you got your phone, if you got your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. The Power to Take a Stand. And I want to say this before we jump in. How many know that we live in a world today that need a bunch of Jesus followers in the name of Jesus Christ to take a stand for Jesus Christ? That's the world we live in. Now, I want to be very cautious and clear about what I mean by taking a stand for Jesus Christ. I don't mean taking a stand because you're just against this thing and, like, you just want to be punk rock and be like, I'm going to take a stand against this thing. Like, here's an instance. My kids hate my beard. I have not cut it in three weeks. 
I was, we were, as staff, we were in Orlando at a conference this past week. I got home, and my daughter, my oldest daughter goes, you actually have a mustache. I'm like, well, yeah, mustache, I mean, this is about as good as I get. But yeah, the mustache is part of the beard. And you know what I'm going to do now, purposely? Take a stand against my kids and grow this thing out. Okay? All the bearded brothers said amen. That's the only time. I don't mean just to be like that. I mean, we need to be a people, if you follow after Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, to take a stand for Jesus Christ, to have a holy boldness about you that isn't afraid to say the name of Jesus in any conversation that you're in. We need Christians who are willing and empowered Not just willing, but are empowered by the Spirit to say the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is only one name under heaven and earth, you and I are saved, and his name is Jesus. He is the Son of God, the second part of the Trinity. And you and I have been working through this Awakened series up to this point. And let me get us caught up on what has happened briefly, in case you forgot like six weeks ago where we ended off. So far, in the book of Acts, you get to a point where Jesus has died He's been buried. He has risen from the dead. Now, for the next 40 days, he's with his 11 disciples, his 11 good friends that he did ministry with for three years. He's with them, and he's teaching them, really, two major things before Jesus ascends back to heaven, known as the ascension. There's 40 days after he's raised from the dead that he's with his disciples. One of, those in, one of those instructions is found in the book of Matthew. You ought to put this, memory, this Bible verse to memory. This is known as the great what, if you know it. The great commission. And this is, again, after Jesus has been raised from the dead, spending 40 days with the disciples, last instructions before the ascension. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, And said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make, what's the word? Disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And watch this. By the way, you're not going to do it alone. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's this great commissioning that happens. Go into the, all the world and preach Jesus. That's the great commission. Put these three verses to heart. Memorize these. It's the great commission. But before they do that, Jesus is over in the sea, uh, the sea of Galilee giving them this instruction. They make their way to downtown Jerusalem. And Jesus gives them another instruction in the book of Acts. He says this in Acts 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what, friends? To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What does baptism mean? It just means immersion. He's telling, the, he's telling the disciples, I realize I gave you this command, go. But before go, you gotta wait. 
Because in your waiting, you're going to be equipped for your going. You got to be immersed with the Holy Spirit. You got to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's going to empower you to live out the great commission of going and make disciples, of going all over the world and preaching who Jesus Christ is. But you got to wait here. And then he reminds them in verse 8, but you will receive power, dunamis. Again, you and I get the, the English word dynamite from. You will receive this power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And now watch what's going to happen. You will be my witnesses, which in the Greek, it's martis, which you and I get the word martyr. You and I understand what a martyr is, one who lays down their life for something. That's where, you, that's where we get the word. He's saying, listen, you'll do everything for me, even if it means your life. You're going to be my martyrs. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go and spread and preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea, which is the region, which, you know, modern day would be our, like our county. So you could say in Sturgis, in St. Joe County, in Samaria, name, and, name your enemy territory. That's what Samaria is. The state of Ohio. All right? And to the ends of the earth. Samaria was known as, because they were not full-blooded Jews. They were half-Jews that intermingled with pagan religions. And so that's why they treated Samaria, which was the region just to the north of Jerusalem. You would walk purposely away from them. As you journeyed, you'd stay away from your territory. But what does Jesus say? Love your enemies, pray for your enemies. By the way, they're not too far out of the reach of God, too. They need to be saved. And he says, you got to go there, too. So this power is going to come by you waiting. And this power that's going to come when you're immersed and under the influence of the Spirit, you're going to be witnesses. Your mouth is going to open up for me. Oh, and by the way, then this happens. Um, that's, that's, what's the, that's the wrong verse, sorry. Um, then all of them, no, this is the right verse. And all of them were filled. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So now the Spirit does come down, enables all of them. Now they have the gifting of the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. Now they can go do the mission that Jesus has them on. And then in Acts 12, verse 12, it says, the people that were there, they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Because the problem is all of a sudden that everyone who's there, why is everyone in Jerusalem, they're celebrating what festival? Do you remember? Pentecost. They're celebrating Pentecost. So that was one of three major pilgrim festivals that you must go to Jerusalem for. And so all these nations are traveling to Jerusalem, all these regions, and all of a sudden now that this Holy Spirit has enabled the disciples to go preach the word, they're hearing their, the, the gospel, the name of Jesus in their own late native language all over the place. And some are sitting there going, whoa, this is pretty awesome. We, can, we hear, we're amazed, we're perplexed by everything. And, well, not everyone has that response. Verse 13, we pick up, and it says, Some, however, made fun of them and asked, Have they have, have, or they have had too much wine? Two responses. You're either amazed and perplexed by the move of God, or you're making fun of these people. 
And verse 14, everything changes in this moment. Then Peter, what are these two words? Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. This word stood up does not just mean a physical posture. This literally means to make firm or to establish. He's going to address the crowd now. The crowd that put Jesus to death. Peter's going to rise up and address them. And this is what he says. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm glad you guys find humor. Uh, No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Peter's now going to go back to the Old Testament at the prophet Joel, who prophesied what was going to happen when the Holy Spirit came. And now Peter's going to remind everyone in the room, What is actually happening? It's not about drunkenness. It's not that they've had too much wine. Here's what he quotes the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And he's reminding, this is what you're seeing. The outpouring outpouring of the spirit on people. And then fast forward a couple things and he's going to remind everyone, hey, I got to remind you about this Jesus, by the way. And then he says this in verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And again, who's the group that he's addressing? Those that persecuted, that mocked, that spit on Jesus. He's addressing those people and says, hey, listen, there is one name to call on and his name is Jesus. By the way, you crucified him. You did it. Little... Verse 23, this man, this is still Peter talking, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God knew this was going to take place. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. What looked bleak, but God. What looked dark, but God. You may be in a valley right now in your walk with Jesus Christ, but, but God. It may look bleak, but God, God can do the impossible. Amen? May you have a big, but God. But God, he says, raised him, Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. Come on. Whoo. He ain't done. God has raised this Jesus to life. No one else. It's a miracle. God did it, and we're all what? Witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. I'm a firm believer That a move of God is what people need to see and hear. 
They need Christians to rise up to preach the gospel and be an example of the gospel. People need to see and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And these guys, the early church began to expand and they're preaching Jesus everywhere now. And it all started by the guy that stood up and made a statement about the name of Jesus Christ. Made a statement about what you guys are all seeing, what the Holy Spirit is doing. But it took Peter to stand up. And all of a sudden, the early church began to spread. But it took this moment. Took the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. An empowering moment for them to go spread the word. They had a mission. Out of it is what Jesus was calling them to do. Make disciples and be his witness. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and Acts 1.8. You're going to be my witnesses. Guess what, friends? This is our calling too. This just wasn't for those that gathered in that upper room. This is for you and I today. We are called to make disciples and be witnesses. You know what I love about this? Let's go church, uh, church terms on you really quick. Okay, ready? Discipleship, evangelism. That's what it is. He says, you're going to go and make disciples. You're going to go and make people look more like me, Jesus Christ. But you got to be a witness in my mouthpiece. You got to go and be Jesus to these people so they know about the power in the name of Jesus Christ. So they know their sins can be forgiven. You got to go spread the word of who I am. It's your calling, it's my calling to make disciples and be witnesses. Here's the problem. Maybe some of us sit back and go, you know, right, Ryan, you know, this is good. I can get behind this, but here's the problem. I, it was probably more for them because they're probably extroverts. Those disciples, they're extroverts. They probably speak better than I, I did. Um, they're probably wired that way. I'm not wired that way. Introverts in the house, where are you? E introverts, okay. Extroverts, where are you? Yep. See the difference? <laughs> Lean in on this moment. I'm an introvert. Introverts like people. We don't hate people. <laughs> Introverts actually like people. We just have to refuel by getting away from people so we can re-engage people. Don't think introverts don't like people. We do. We may not say hi to you, but in our heart we do. <laughs> we walk by you. I, I mean, I am saying hi to you, just didn't vocalize. Sorry, it was my introvertedness there, right? See, extroverts can get behind this a little bit because you're like, yeah, like I, I want to make disciples witness. Yeah, we got to tell people because that's my personality. Introverts are like, oh, dear God, do I have to talk to anyone? Lean in because I'm one. I'm with you, introverts. I'm one. It's not a personality issue. It's not a personality issue. If it was, I wouldn't be on this stage. You're looking at an extremely high introvert that goes to conferences and hides in the back and hopes no other pastors sit with him. That, that, that's the truth. 
that's who I am. I am. I will engage if I have to, of course, at conferences, but that, that, that's me. You're looking at a guy who used to hate public speaking. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You're looking at the middle child. I have an older sister that's five years older than I am. I have a younger brother that's four years younger than I am. When I came back here almost seven years ago, most of the church forgot. I, this is my home church. Most of the church forgot who I was. Here's why. They remember the older sister. They remember the younger brother. They forget the middle child, which actually worked in my favor, I think. But (laughs) it was also because I was quiet. I was compliant. That's who I was. I was quiet. But, oh, let the Lord get a hold of you. Become a pastor. Are you out of your mind? I can't speak. I can't talk. I shake too much. Well, Ryan, eat a little bit more food. You won't. All right, you got it. I don't shake because I'm nervous. I hardly ever get nervous. I shake because I don't have food and sugar in my body because I don't eat breakfast on Sunday morning because I don't have time because I'm spending it with the Lord and drinking too much coffee. (laughs) Who stood up? Peter. Peter, when Jesus was being mocked, beaten, on trial, Peter was there. See, in Scripture, it tells us that there's a charcoal fire that Peter's around. Peter's warming up his hands by the fire, and he sees Jesus on trial. A little servant girl goes up and says, you've been with him. No, I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Another person comes up. Hey, 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 yeah, you're a Galilean. We know you were with that Jesus, Peter, around the charcoal fire. No, I wasn't. Luke records to us the third denial of Peter, of Jesus, around that fire and says, Peter replied when this person came up, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed because before Jesus says, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the, word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is a Peter who can't stand up for Jesus to three people. To standing up before the crowd that crucified his Savior, Jesus. My question What happened between those two events? How did Peter change? There's only two things that happened in that timeline. Number one, Jesus would reinstate Peter on the shore around a charcoal fire. But I think something even more powerful happened. All of them were filled with the Spirit. 
It is not a personality issue, friends. It is an empowerment issue. Don't ever negate your personality. Don't ever let your personality or your introvertedness or your extrovertedness ever cause you to say, I can't make disciples and I can't bear witness for Jesus Christ. It's an empowerment issue. What changed Peter from denying his savior to now standing up in front of the thousands proclaiming who Jesus was, was Acts 2, 4. The Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter. And now, I don't care. Just think about this. This is the crowd. Peter could have been crucified in that moment. They just crucified Jesus. They could have crucified Peter, but he took a stand in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when you take a stand for the name of Jesus, it's like, I I don't care who knows. I love Jesus, and he's my savior. It's like, woo, right? It's it's an empowerment. I, I don't know about you. I think the greatest Christmas movie is Elf. Anyone else agree with me? All right. I love this part in Elf. And I'm going to relate it here. Just sit back for four seconds and watch this video. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And I don't care who knows it. I want everyone to know it. I'm empowered by the Spirit, and I'm not going to hold back because there are dying, lost people that will spend eternity in hell away from Jesus. And even, yes, my own family. We have a mission. And Jesus left his disciples a mission. But they needed the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill the mission, to take a stand for Jesus now. And you know you have people in your life, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, classmates that need to know Jesus Christ. Walking in darkness that need to know the light of Jesus. I love what Dr. Vance Harver says. He says this, the Lord had the strength and I had the weakness. So we teamed up. It was an unbeatable combination. It's great. There it is. You don't have to do it alone. Empowered by the Spirit, and he's going to lead you. And you'll have the power to take a stand for the name of Jesus. I love even Peter, or Paul, who went around, first century missionary. I mean, you would think he had it all. He would have all the empowerment. He would have all the filling. But he realizes, listen, I need more. I need to be refilled and refilled and refilled. I need that empowerment more and more as I travel all across the ancient world in the first century, planting churches, visiting churches. He says, I need that empowerment. And he writes to the uh, the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, and he says this, pray in the Spirit all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike in other words there's just two people group back in the ancient world Jews if you weren't a Jew everyone got lumped into Gentiles He's saying, listen, you got to pray for me. I need to boldly explain the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere. Let me give you two quick things as we close. Two quick things. Be quiet. Okay. Two quick 
ways how you and I can take the power to stand for the name of Jesus. Number one, it's this. The power to stand comes from spirit-empowered prayer. The power to stand comes from spirit-empowered prayer. Let's jump back to Ephesus and look at what Paul's reminding. Look how many times the word pray or prayer is mentioned right here. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Three times, real quick, Paul is reminding those Christians in Ephesus, hey, prayer is deeply important for this mission that God has us on, to go make disciples and be his witnesses. Prayer is key. My question, are you praying for your church family to be empowered to take a stand for the name of Jesus Christ? Or if we're honest, do we look back and we're sitting there going, "Uh uh-oh. Ryan, I'm a little convicted because... All I ever do is pray for myself. And Paul's sitting there going, guys, I need the prayer right now. What would it look like if the body gathered and we literally prayed for one another, spirit-empowered prayers for one another? I truly believe we'll begin to change the world. We need to elevate others in prayer. We need to. I love what uh, this quote by Ajith Fernando says this. Talking about Peter, he says, once restored, he gave himself to prayer in anticipation of the promised blessing of the fullness of the Spirit. Once that came to him, he was irrepressible, and God used him as a human instrument to usher in the great era of the church. This pattern has been repeated over and over in history of the church. Watch this. And is still awaiting repetition. That you and I need to be in prayerful anticipation for one another, to be in, in, uh, empowered and filled by the Spirit so you and I can live out this mission of making disciples and being his witness. Pray, prayers, pray. But then I find it funny. He throws this right here. Ask. You would think in the prayers you are asking. But Paul says, hold on. You all need to be praying for each other. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain. Here's the second. The power to stand comes from asking for it. You're praying for other people. God, give them the strength and power to make a stand for you, Jesus. To make a stand when the name of Jesus is getting used wrong in their workplace. Give them strength to stand up and say, hey, 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 you're offending my Savior, Jesus Christ. I almost got fired one time for doing it. I may not recommend it. Actually, I do recommend it. Always take a stand for Jesus. I was working for a guy. I was mowing lawns one summer in college, and he was teaching me how to fertilize a lawn. Uh, Very particular guy. And um, I was coming down, and um, you're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to let go of the handle when you get to the end and then make your other swipe and hit the handle again. Well, I missed a spot, so I took the machine and went like that through some more seeds, and he comes and he goes, uses the name of Jesus Christ, not in a praiseworthy manner. As he's angry, runs after me, and I turned to him and I said, don't you ever use my Savior's name like that again unless you are worshiping him. And I turned and walked towards my car, and he says, hold on, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And I said, you offended not only me, you offended my Savior. Don't do it again. 
And man, he almost basically got on his knees. He was shaking because no one ever stood up to him like that. But don't you ever use my Savior's name like that. I love you and you do need Jesus, by the way. And I pray one day that you won't use those words as cuss words. You'll use those as words out of your mouth in worship and praise. I don't know if he ever got saved. He died a few years ago. But you and I need to ask God, give us the power to stand. Now, you don't stand angrily. You don't stand in bitterness. You stand in love and grace. For the rest of Ephesians, with this in mind, be alert. And I love the NIV on this. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul became, or Peter became fearlessly, became fearless he was filled with the spirit and took a stand for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Does that fearlessness describe you? Or is your faith just this Sunday morning every once in a while thing? Does that faith describe you? That fearlessness, is that you? you and I have a heavy calling and a heavy purpose in our life to make disciples and be his witness. And I'm going to ask you for two things. Number one, I'm going to ask you to pray for holy boldness. Again, boldness does not mean you're mean. It just means I'm willing to make a stand and establish something in the name of Jesus. But Jesus does it with grace and truth, and so will you and I. And pray for spiritfulness. That's what happened to Peter. That's the transition of Peter's life from denying Jesus to three people to standing up in front of a crowd of thousands proclaiming the name of Jesus. The Spirit indwelled him, filled him, overflowed with him. He had this holy boldness about him. So pray for holy boldness. Pray for spiritfulness. How do I do it? Just, just, just one word. Just ask. Ask for holy boldness. Ask that the Spirit every morning would fill you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need more. I need to be filled. I empty myself to you. Give me a holy boldness that I can step out in faith, that I'm not afraid of any conversation that will take place in my neighborhood or at my home with my kids or my lost family members, that will take place in the schools, whatever it may be. Give me this holy boldness that I can stand up for the name of Jesus, that I will be able to preach your name. I may not have all the answers, but I know one answer, and his name is Jesus. So Holy Spirit, what do you ask this question? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Where do you need that boldness? Maybe it is for some of you. You do need it in the home. Maybe it is you know that you get that same waiter or waitress every time you go to that restaurant. 
I call that, that's a holy coincidence. Maybe it's time to say, hey, how can I pray for you? I think it can be as small as that. How can I pray for you? Because I know my God loves you and I love you too. I want to lift you up in prayer. How can I pray for you? Or you have that same cashier every time you go to that store. How can I pray for you today? Maybe it's the water cooler moments at work. And I know it may be uncomfortable, but God, I need boldness for you. Because if you came back right now in this moment, this person spends eternity away from you and you love them too much. You love them so much, you want a relationship with them. Use me. So I'm going to ask a bold thing to do as we close. I'm going to ask you, if you need boldness, again, whether it's at home or school or in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, while you're shopping, whatever, if you know I need this boldness to take a stand for my Savior, to be a disciple maker, to reach lost people and be Jesus and be a witness for him, I'm going to ask you, would you stand right where you are? You just need that boldness. And can I say I'm standing? I wrote this past week on a sheet of paper, my prayer is, God, I need more boldness. I need more boldness. I need more boldness, God. I need more boldness. And if you're still seating, can you stand? Because we're going to pray for everyone that's around. Let's just pray. I'm going to pray for you and over you that the Lord would move in a mighty way. That you would walk this life with the Spirit, but with holy boldness. Father God, you see all these individuals that stood up that says, I, we need to be a little bit more like Peter. Willing to take a stand for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them and anoint every single individual in this room. I pray you would give them a spirit of boldness. God, I pray that there would be such an audacity of faith that they would feel your empowerment when that moment, that divine opportunity arises, that they would stand for you that they would just be like Jesus to the people that are in their spheres of influence. God, you have placed us, divinely appointed us in our spaces that we live, that we work, and that we play. May we be a witness for you. May we help people become a deeper disciple of you. Give us faith, Give us truth. Give us grace as we do it and take a stand for the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, here is our heart. Speak what is true. Speak what is true. We give you our heart. We need your empowerment. We need your filling. We need your boldness to accomplish the mission you have each and every one of us on. Father, 
Will you come and fill this place? Come and fill this place. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. At this time, we're going to worship. But if you need prayer, our prayer partners are in the corners. If you want to come and just get prayed over, they're moving now to the corners. We'd love to lift you up. But please be in, remain in this posture of, here's my heart. I need boldness today. I need boldness.